Welcome to Unleash. We're all being transformed every day. The big question is by who to become what? Well, as we consider things that can shape us, times of waiting is definitely shaping, except waiting is a reality of life that we'd usually, maybe always rather avoid. It's not something we enjoy or we embrace. And think about it, even if we're waiting for something that's really delightful, if we're honest, we'd rather not wait. We just want to have it right now. And the thing about seasons of waiting is that most of the time we can't anticipate their arrival and the the waiting itself is not a, a happy thing that we look forward to. So I do want to share a true story of a a teenage boy named David um, and his surprise seasons of waiting that came upon him. He was the oldest of four siblings, and he had just celebrated his 16th birthday, blown out the candles, devoured the chocolate cake, and was horsing around at a friend's house, uh, just three guys in the driveway shooting baskets, like think three guys, no hops, shooting hoops, right? Just having fun. And all three of them go up for a rebound. But of the six feet that launched, only five of them landed on the asphalt. One of David's Nikes just tried to stick a landing on top of another guy's foot. And he let out a sharp whelp of pain as this little slender, um, bone just silently snapped. And out of like just that simple moment, a meant nothing moment of horsing around, shooting the basketball, ushered in a season of waiting that for that 16 year old guy had two big disappointments. The first one was Obviously, he wasn't going to get his driver's license. It, it meant he, a delay in being able to drive, which he was very excited about. And the other that he was very excited about was his much-anticipated summer uh, baseball season with 80-something games that was just about to start. So now he was forced into a time of waiting rather than playing his favorite game. And you know, honestly, what 16-year-old wants to be relegated to the dreaded position of warming the bench and keeping score? He was forced to wait while others played the game that he loved. And though he was injured, he attended the practices and another incident occurred at the field. He was had helped with something and was walking off the field when in a drill, um, a baseball had been inadvertently launched, like think a hard line drive in David's direction as he was hobbling off the field, completely unaware that a baseball was imminently going to smash into the side of his head, just in that area between the temple and the ear. He remained conscious, but he involuntarily dropped onto his hands and knees. And as he was dazed, he had a big wad of sunflower seeds that he started spitting from his mouth. Of course, he ended up in the emergency room that was 
brimming with all kinds of other sick and injured people. And there David was waiting in agony to be seen and then waiting for results. And what happened is that the, uh, the results were multiple skull fractures and bleeding on the brain. Now David's parents and siblings would also endure their own season of waiting. Um, the hours turned into from a hospital stay into surgery. And you know how slowly the hands on the clock crawl when it's like an imperceptible movement when you're anxiously awaiting um, news about someone that you love. Well, David went on to survive the surgery, and the aftermath of the injury turned into many months of waiting, waiting for swelling to subside, waiting for his brain to heal, waiting for the whole right side of his head that had been shaved for surgery, waiting for his hair to regrow. And all of that waiting, it wasn't easy, and it wasn't pleasant. Because to be human means that we're going to frequently struggle against times of waiting, right? Whether it's uh, uh, that happy event of a, a vacation, uh, a wedding, the arrival of a, a baby that's much anticipated, right? We'd like to have it now. We don't necessarily want to wait. But more often when we think about waiting, it's the, the difficulty of waiting where it's hard. It's something that we dread. It's a situation where there may be out, uh, outcomes that aren't known. And the uncertainty presses on our, our hearts and our minds in a way that our thoughts and emotions can struggle with our inability to control time or to control and direct outcomes. And those that lack of control easily produces anxiousness in us, that stress that comes in the waiting where emotions are, are really easily amplified. We can have just a, a little wandering thought that takes us down a long path into uh, worry and fear and doubt and and manufacturing all these what what ifs that might come as we imagine what might unfold in the future for us to wait is often synonymous with suffering and the bottom line is that people don't naturally wait well um, in fact we more often wait in a way that that diminishes us and makes us weak um, as we dread this uncertain outcome. You know the expression about uh, waiting on pins and needles? I mean, how comfortable does that sound? When we're relegated to waiting, the tendency that we can have is to gear ourselves up to kind of expect the worst. And we think it's this effective counteroffensive to protect ourselves that that can look like us armoring up and bracing ourselves for the worst as though somehow adopting an attitude of cynicism or pessimism or opting for that 
skeptical suspicion as though somehow it's going to make us better able to handle whatever things, awful things, might the future might hold for us. Well, in reality, that's a form of counseling for ourselves. And it actually more often leads us to this being in a place of being angry, of it stoking conflicts with other people. It causes us to isolate. There's like all kinds of things that happen when we think that way because that stress response in the body, it's actually a physiological shift and it puts us in this fight or flight mode. So it's easy to see why we can fight with others when we're feeling stressed. And of course, there's all the other impacts that are kind of secondary in nature where that those physiological um, changes, the manifestations of stress actually diminish our immune function, our mood, we may not sleep as well. And it also hinders the, the brain's capacity to really think soundly and process information. So what if instead of experiencing all that in a season of waiting, what if there was a way of waiting that actually enabled us to gain strength in the process of waiting? Seems like that would be helpful, wouldn't it? Did you know that, that God's word actually teaches us a ton about waiting? Perhaps one of the, some of the best known uh, lines about strength that can come from waiting on God was penned by an Old Testament prophet, Isaiah. It's captured in Isaiah chapter 40. And listen to these lines starts with questions. You know, I love questions. It says, have you not known and have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not grow faint or weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the faint and to him who has no might, he increases strength. Even youths shall faint and be weary, and young men shall fall exhausted. But they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. You've probably heard those lines before, and you might be wondering, so how is it that waiting on God produces strength. So another boy named David, the psalmist, had his own encounters of waiting, and he knew a lot about difficulty and adversity in life. He was a prolific songwriter, and he played instruments, and in his youth, he was a shepherd. So he was out on the hills with the sheep and he was just given this gift of lyrics, right? So he would frequently describe both the difficult circumstances and how he experienced that difficulty of adversity and the benefits of waiting on God. So um, he has written, I don't know how many of the Psalms, a lot of the Psalms, and many people's souls have been encouraged and 
helped over the centuries, mine included, um, by some of the things that he wrote. So one of the one I want to just mention two quick things about today is Psalm 25. And, and these lines actually really skillfully instruct in a way of waiting that's not um, captured by impatience or that vain imagining of all the horrible things that could unfold um, that, that we try to armor our hearts with, right? Instead, David chooses to lift his soul to God in worship and declares, Oh my God, in you I trust. Indeed, no one who waits for you shall be put to shame. You see that who or what we put our trust in drives the outcome of how we wait. The word David, the the shepherd, uses for trust indicates um, a confidence that allows one to be so just bold and secure and even to be without care, like careless, not like foolish careless, but without holding on to anxiety. So even though he was as a youth, he trusted in the Lord to strengthen him when as a shepherd boy, he faced both a lion and a bear. And these early encounters with wild beasts taught him what it looked like for days in the future when he would face attacking armies. So there's so much that could be unearthed in this psalm, but I just want to consider one other sentence that says, um, where David talks about God, to God and about God, saying this, Lead me in your truth and teach me, for you are the God of my salvation. For you I wait all the day long. And waiting the day long, the meaning isn't like, ugh, I've just been waiting forever in a negative sense. Because the word that David uses for wait doesn't mean inaction. It's actually a word of strong action that means to look for, to hope, and to hope with an expectancy, to like look so eagerly in a way that you gain confidence and you grow strong and and have a robustness like a multi-thread rope. David, David isn't alone. There's lots of others who learned how to wait upon God and to focus on his faithfulness in the period of waiting. So where David's um, singing about hope, it's not this aimless, inactive, or um, fearful worrying about the future. I, I love that David demonstrated for us what it looks like to wait upon God in hope, where even when he's hard-pressed by violent enemies seeking to take his life, he would write about in many different psalms how God was a strong tower, a refuge, a rock to which David could cling to and wait upon in that really active sort of hope. So when life is hard and we find ourselves waiting, we have a choice to make about how we wait. Will we fix our eyes on God's faithfulness, on his promises, or will we stare at the circumstances of life and the delays that we face in waiting? 
You see, the very thing that separates us from animals and other things that live and breathe and move is that we have been given a consciousness that we can manage. We choose what we will think on. We choose what we're going to focus our gaze on. And those things become the meditation of our mind and heart. And that's what determines in waiting whether we grow weak and weary or whether we're going to gain strength and be renewed. So to fix our eyes and keep focusing on and churning on the circumstances and all the unknown outcomes always causes us to wait in fear and worry, doubt, and anxiety, and it makes us weak. Do you remember David at the very beginning, the 16-year-old with the multiple skull fractures? Well, God wasn't just teaching David. He was also teaching David's mom some pretty profound lessons about waiting. Well, his family members too, but in the long hours of his mom waiting while Max underwent surgery, where they had to open his skull to relieve the pressure on his brain. Her mind wrestled with all the what-ifs and the terrible, tragic outcomes that were possible for her son's future. And in the, the waiting, the Spirit of God was drawing her, inviting her to trust in Him, reminding her that she could choose the meditation of her thoughts. What would she fix her mind and her heart on? And that choice, that battle wasn't fought just one, one moment, one instant, one decision. As you might assume, that choice would come frequently in those hours of waiting not only in the surgery, but in the months of waiting to see the outcome of his recovery, right? That choice that we choose what we will focus on, what we will place our hope in as we wait changes everything about who we are in the waiting process. When we focus on the goodness and the faithfulness of God and calling to mind that he is able to strengthen us so that we can wait in hope. And it's not the hope of controlling a very specific outcome, but it's that profoundly exquisite hope that comes from waiting on and trusting in the one who held her son's life and breath in his hands and the one who loved her far more him her son far more than she ever could that day she had no control over the circumstances the one thing she could control was how she would choose to wait and whether that would be in weakness or in strength. So whatever ways you find yourself pressed into waiting today, remember that you too get to choose if you will wait in weakness or in strength. So as we close, I invite you, if you found this helpful, that you would hit subscribe and maybe share with a friend so that you can encourage one another 
to be wise in choosing how you will wait. So, until next time.